Yo, welcome to another episode of The Nice Show. And this week, I had the opportunity to interview Fresh Air. If you do not know who he is, this is a huge producer out of the Baltimore area. He has worked with Meek Mill, Lil Wayne, Eminem, Rick Ross. The list goes on. We dive into his mind and his life and how he ended up living in the Dallas area. We talk about the trials and tribulations of being an independent figure in the music industry and the ins and outs of the music industry and who he's currently working with now. This is an amazing interview. You don't want to miss any part of it. Um, like I said, this was an honor being able to interview him. I appreciate all the support. My listens are going up. My subscribers are going up. So I really, really appreciate it. Be sure to rate this interview five stars. Till next time, love y'all. The champ is here! Nice. Check, check, check. This is your boy, DJ Trey Nice, and welcome to The Nice Show. This is episode... What episode is this? This is episode five. <laughs> this is episode five, and I have the honor to have my guy in here, Fresh Air. And first of all, man, how you doing, bro? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm doing great. Um... I'm actually surprised you said yeah to do this interview. I'm, I'm being honest. I hit up I hit up my manager Misha, and I was like, man, can you please reach out to him and see how much it would cost for him to come into the interview? And she just hit me back and was like, well, he said he'll do it. I was like, what? Like I said, oh man, that's love. Like for real, that's love. And so first, I do want to like talk about how I did. Well, before I get to that. For people who don't know who you are, uh -huh. who are you? I'm a producer and a songwriter. Producer and songwriter. Mm -hmm. Which one first? Uh, producer. Producer first. Mm -hmm. And I do want to touch on like how first, first of all, how you got there. Mm -hmm. But before that, how I met him was I think it was at it was at a park. It was at a park mm -hmm. not too far from me, and um, you were sitting in your car, and I had my little dog out there, and. I heard that you was having this class, mm -hmm. this master class, right? Yeah. And I was like, master class for what? And then you you told me, started explaining, it's like, gives you the behind the scenes of the industry and just other keys that people may not know coming into the music industry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, bet I'm in. And so then, but I know you, you may hear people be like, okay, like I'm gonna go, but not really, you know what I'm saying, show up. But I was like, no, I'm sending him the money like tonight. Like, right, right, right. And... I did that, and man, let me tell you, like, that class, like, opened my eyes to so much, man. Yeah. So, like, what what made you want to, like, start, first of all, like, holding a class that helps people out um, behind the industry? The reason why I I hold classes is because when I was younger, um, nobody reached out to me. Nobody gave me mm -hmm. a hand. Nobody helped me. Nobody said, yo, you should do it this way. Um I had to go through a fire and I had to learn everything on my own. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was just a good way to give back because I have so much information. You know, I feel like if I wrote a book, it would be a bestseller. Like I just been through so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt like, you know, by giving people that opportunity and that chance, you know, they could use those tools and that knowledge to be able to push themselves to be self-employed such as myself, you know, and to yeah. be able to, um, you know, just jump out there and not be afraid to jump out there because I know a lot of people are. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like I took the bullets so you didn't have to. You know what right. I mean? So that's why I like to hold the class. I appreciate that. And, that, and that's love, too. And so you said growing up, nobody helped you out. And so where exactly are you from? From Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> like, I'm living up north. It's different. It's, it's, it's very different. Um, And that's another reason why I am high I am today. Um, yeah. Growing up in Baltimore, bro, it just sets you up for just living anywhere in life. Um, it's not easy living up top, you know. It's not easy living on the East Coast, period, you know. And every city has, you know, their their dark sides to it. Every city has their hoods. But Baltimore is just it's a different monster. It's a different beast. Um, yeah. And you wouldn't really see it until you really, like, you can see it on Shade Room. And, they, you know, they make fun of us and post us all the time. But mm -hmm. you're not really going to know what it's like till you actually get there and you see it yourself. And you'd be like, yo, like, I see how people are the way they are coming out of here. So yeah. it, just, it just taught me how to hustle, you know, taught me how to be a real nigga. It taught me mm -hmm. how to go through um, 
go through life, you know, and not giving up. It taught right. me how to go through fires. It taught me what it what it meant to, you know, to struggle, what it meant yeah. to really work your butt off to get something and, and you know, I implore everybody to do the same, you know, and that's why I'm hard on people because I just don't understand some people when they give up or they don't want to push for, you know, what they believe in because it's like if you only knew what my homeboys and everybody around me back home, what they get, went through and what they're still going through, you yeah. know, they just, they don't get it. So, you know, right. Baltimore, I wouldn't change being from that. I love Baltimore. I go back every month. For I real? live I live out here in Dallas now, but I go back to Baltimore every month. The food better too, so I'm always up there. You think it's yeah, the East Coast food way better than the South? I always go back uh, up to the East Coast. I'm I looking at Jimmy. He like, I can't. Uh, I can't do. I can't do barbecue all the time. I can't do tacos and Mexican food all the time. I can't do it, bro. Like I can't do it. <laughs> I, I love. Yeah. I love. I love eating Chinese food without the Mexicans cooking it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't want to okay. walk into like a Chinese stuff. like the Jamaican food up there. Like it's just everything seafood up yeah. there. Like it's just. I just get tired of eating barbecue all the time and tacos. So yeah, I feel it. And you talked about struggling. Mm-hmm. One of what were some of the struggles that you battled up north when you was growing up? Um, I mean, well, you know, first of all, I, I'm from Baltimore County. You know, Baltimore County and Baltimore City is definitely different. Um, mm. I live like right on the outskirts of the city in the county. I did used to live in the city. I lived off the Alameda, and then I moved um over into like the Milford Mill Willow area, which is the county area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like. You know, I had a two-parent household with my mm. father and my mother, but, you know, dad was short-lived because they ended up getting a divorce. So mm. after that had happened, my mother was just struggling, you know, and it was yeah. just me, my mother, and my sister. And it was one of them things where it just, I always, like, listening, my mother was depressed. Like, I yeah. didn't even know what depression or anxiety or any of that was, you know, and she had, you know, bad habits like drinking problems, smoking, and stuff like that. Mm. So it just really triggered me to want to be great and want to do something, you know, different, yeah. do something big. I never had, I always had big dreams. I never was a person that didn't think I couldn't achieve what I wanted to. I always told people this is what I was going to be doing when I was really? young. Yeah, like I never, I didn't have no plan B. Like parents wanted me to go to college. I did that. They paid for it. You know, I got loans and stuff like that. So of course I'm going to go, but I knew, I told them, I told my father, I told my mother, I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. My mother believed, my father didn't, but you know. And you knew that you said, you say you know you know that you want to be in the music industry? Yeah, I knew I was going to be okay. in the music industry. And when I was in the eighth, ninth grade, I knew that I was going to be doing this. What sparked? Um, I was singing on a church choir. And then me and my best friends, we just we got this beat making program software called Fruit Loops. And we just Fruit was Loops, using yeah. that. And then it was I'm very competitive. So we just mm-hmm. I was trying to be better than them. They was trying to be better than me. And that's how yeah. we just pushed each other. And so. First of all, it's funny we say Baltimore because, first of all, we say it different. You say Baltimore and mm. I say Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times down south, I hear a lot about Baltimore. Am I saying it right? Baltimore. I mean, it's, Baltimore. Not, yeah, it's a T in it. They always yeah. say, hey, you know, it's a T in Baltimore. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Why do they get on y'all accents, man? It's just uh, it's the way y'all. I don't know, yo. Like, they get on, you know, it's, it's crazy because it's accents everywhere. But they try to say that we sound like some city londoners i don't i guess i don't know is this the way i say like do yeah like i guess i guess that's that's funny but um (laughs) first like so you said you went to college and everything so how did you end up in dallas um so after i got out of college i started working as a valet driver at this hotel and um that I was still writing and producing songs and this guy named T Mills over in LA, he had hit me, Travis Mills, he had hit me and was like, yo, these songs you writing is crazy. I want to sign you as a writer. But at mm. the same time, I was already signed to Mr. Porter, who was Eminem's best friend and hype man. And I was signed to him, but he didn't give me no advance, nothing like that. So I was just, you know, working my job. Yeah. And um, I flew to, L- I remember when T Mills said he wanted to sign me, I flew out there, he flew me out there um, and I quit my job. Um, and once I quit my job, you know, I was just out there hustling. This was yeah. in 2011, 2012. And, um, I, he couldn't sign me. T Mills couldn't sign me because I was already signed to that Mr. Porter guy. And, um, you know, I told Mr. Porter, you know, it just wasn't working out. And I want to get out of the contract. He wasn't really trying to let me out of the contract at the time, but then he eventually did, um, you know, much love to him. I just yeah. don't feel like that was the right situation, but he didn't let me out the contract. I had to, so basically when I, I couldn't get out the contract, so I left L.A., went back to Baltimore, but I didn't have no job. And I remember before I went back to Baltimore, I was talking to my big homie, King Los, 
and he was like, um, I know and I was like, I was like, yo, like I gotta go back home, like you know, mm-hmm. I already quit my job, I ain't got no money, mm-hmm. and he like, so what you gonna do? You gonna cry about that shit, or you gonna get out here and hustle? What you gonna be a bitch about it? And I'm just <laughs> like, bro, like I don't got no bread. He was like, so what you gonna be soft and go get a job? And I was like. And he's from Baltimore too, so that's yeah. just basically how, like yeah. you know, what I'm saying like that's just how it's we rough. were raised, bro. Yeah. So when he said it, I was just like, all right, I dug it out. So I uh-huh. went back home, and I stayed with my best friend. He stayed in the hood, so we stayed over east, uh-huh. and um, it was rough. Like I was sleeping, and he had this house, his this this place. It was it was rough, bro. Like, I was sleeping on this mattress that was on the floor. It was rats and roaches running out, and I was Man. just like, I gotta make something happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I reached out to one of my DJ homeboys who knew Brian McKinney from the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. and Brian had a record label. So I was like, well, let me see if I can get in with him see what's up. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I'm, I'm good at networking and I got in with Brian and I remember I just hit Brian and I was like, yo, I'm gonna buy my own plane ticket, but can I come down there and stay with you for a little bit so I can get my feet wet down in Miami, you know, right. meet up with some people. So I did that. I ended up going down there and while I was living in Miami with the dude Bryant, I um I ended up going to, uh oh, I met this dude named Radio Raheem who was out there mm-hmm. in Miami. So me and Radio linked up, and I told Radio I wanted to be an artist. Um, you know, I was an artist producing a songwriter, and you know, he checked my music out, and he liked it. So he was like, "Yo, I want to sign you." And he yeah. was like, "But I live in Dallas, Texas, so you got to move out here." So I was like, "Okay, cool," because I don't have no money, I don't have no bread. I'm, yeah. I'm broke. You know what I'm saying? Mom's back home struggling. So I was really just trying to do whatever I can to better my situation. So I seen Radio had the opportunity. So I just came out of Dallas, and I just fell in love with being out here. Like it was, it was a, a ten times different like flip from being in Baltimore like it was that Texas was I ain't never seen nothing like it like LA no Miami no like Arizona eventually I figured out Arizona and Arizona is pretty dope but between Mm -hmm. Arizona and Texas they like one and the same and it was just dope and I was like I don't plan on leaving here what what was the biggest difference that you saw when you came down in in Dallas Dallas, yeah the violence level wasn't the crime wasn't as crazy as it was back home so I wasn't I mean it, it like I said it's hoods everywhere but like, they're so far away from everything. Like, right. everything's so far away from each other. Like, with Baltimore, you got over west, you got over east. You step outside, you get hit. Like, it don't, like, it's just, east. that's how it is. Like, here, you know, the areas that he had me in wasn't really, like, hood-like areas. And then, like, mm-hmm. I come outside, it's sunny outside. You know, it's not gloomy. I'm walking down the street. People are actually smiling at me, saying what's yeah. up and not mugging me. Um, I didn't have to wash my back as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was beautiful all the time. Like Christmas, it was 75 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just the women were better. Like the mm-hmm. women was way better, like my type of women. So it was like <laughs> that, that was way better. So it was yeah. just, it was just different. And then Dallas showed me more love than my own city did. And mm-hmm. that really was like a red flag for me too. Cause I was like, you know, I go to the clubs in Baltimore, People know who I am, but they still be charged me at the door. Like, you know, still like yeah. not really acknowledging what I've been doing. But like in Dallas, they like, oh, no, that's Jay. You got to let him in. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, oh, that's Jay. He be with such and such. Like they was treating me like I was little Wayne when I first got out here. So it was like number love. So I was like, I'm right. not ever leaving. And like I said, Arizona is the same way. So when I go mm-hmm. to Arizona, um, this is it's nice out, you know, beautiful. The women was beautiful. Um, It's easy living. And you can make money and save money being out here too. It's very expensive on the East Coast, so it yeah. was just it was just different. Man, we we traveled to New York for uh, our job, and I was in the uh, the Uber going to the location that they had us working, mm-hmm. and just talking to the driver. It's like you said, it's way more expensive to live mm-hmm. up north. Like he was saying, like his car note first was like six hundred dollars, <laughs> but also his insurance mm-hmm. was like. It was something like seven hundred. Well, that's like, that's New York though. That's different yeah. from Baltimore too. You yeah. Oh, so it's, like it's like mm-hmm. New York and Baltimore is di- it's way, way, way more expensive to live in New York than it is Baltimore. Oh, way okay. more expensive. Got you. So yeah, it's it's a little it's a little different. And then the thing with them that you have to understand too, like if you coming from Texas going to New York, mm-hmm. everything gets smaller. Like your crib gets smaller. Like that's your true. area gets smaller. Like and some people don't like that. Like you paying thirty four hundred dollars for a box you feel Literally. what i'm saying a month so it's like it's a little different up there um i would never move to new york yeah i yeah, couldn't, I couldn't do, it do it either man like i i legit couldn't do it mm-hmm. so when you were growing up in baltimore because you know like you said it's it's hard out there mm-hmm. so what do you remember the time where you figured out like man i do not want to like live like this like yeah hell yeah every yeah. day like i'm <laughs> yeah. like living in baltimore bro like it, i always knew i was like for one i'm like if i ever have a kid i cannot raise a kid out here i was like mm. this is 
I look, I talk even today. You ask my homeboys, we talk all the time, and I always say, "Yo, how do we make it out here? Like, how do really? we survive this?" You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, well, you know, my a couple of my homeboys, their cousins got killed by the cops. They got shot in the streets. You know, mm-hmm. we've had guns pulled out on us. Like, it was just a lot of stuff. We would go to areas where we shouldn't go, but we would do it anyway. And you got to understand too, us living there. Yeah. We don't see that. Like, we live there. So it's like, mm-hmm. we wake up every day. We don't care about nothing. Like, it's not saying we don't care, but we just, it's not something that we're just like, we're kids. So we're not like, oh, it's dangerous. Yeah. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to go where we want to go. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But then one thing that I noticed is when I left Baltimore and I came here, every time I was going back, that's when I was starting to see what y'all seen. And I'm like, mm. yo, it's real out here. Like, this yeah. is crazy. And this is what I say to my my homeboys all the time. I'm like, yo, how did we grow up here? And they really don't really see it because they still living in it they too. So it's like, mm-hmm. they, they just like, I mean, what it is, what it is. And like, even when I go back, it is what it is. Like, I know my way around, so I'm not really tripping. But like, yeah. like I remember my aunt called me and was mad because I took my little cousin to Mondarmin Mall, which is like a hood, hood mall. But I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm from there. So it's like, I'm going to do what I do. You yeah. know what I mean? And but you know how to move. And I know how to move. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little different. But she was like, yeah, you know, don't, I don't really want him over there. So it's like, I get it. But, you know, it's just, you know, what we've grown up into. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. So when you so when you left that environment and came to Dallas and, you know, you're starting to build your craft, who was one of the first artists that you started touching and working with? Out here? Yeah. Um, I want to say it was between Fat Pimp was one of the first ones Shout that came fat through pimp. fat pimp came through to the studio a lot of them did fat pimp came through the studio this dude named qp came to the studio this dude named loso came to the studio i was dealing with little ronnie um mm-hmm. i was dealing with uh young nation they was called young nation at the time i was dealing with them um and then it was just like you know just people just coming up but like yeah. the bigger artists that were here i wasn't dealing with i wasn't really you know what what year was it when I came here, it was 2013. So it really yeah. wasn't any big, big artists coming mm-hmm. out of Dallas at the time when Two, I got when I got out here. Yeah, 2013, we were what eighth grade. Y'all I was think? and y'all yeah. was still getting over that whole dance phase too. Yeah, whole, Young Nation was like yeah, and it, and and they kind of I'm not gonna lie, like back in that in 2013, a lot of the labels when I was going to visit LA, they were asking me. They were like, "Oh, you still living? You live in Dallas? Oh, do they still that dancing stuff out there?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know." You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, they was kind of clowning that wave, like was really? like getting clown, like the whole, like yeah, that like Jigging, it was the yeah, they was kind of clowning that. Yeah. But it's just it's weird that they was clowning it because dancing is like it, it propels a lot of it's different universal, music. It's universal, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I get it. The sound of the music that was here at the time, mm-hmm. they just kind of was like. Like, cause it definitely won't work right now. Like that sound uh-uh. is not gonna pop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-mm. So, you know, Dallas over the years, I've watched this city grow. You know, I've watched yeah. these artists grow. I've watched them turn into like superstars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's dope. And one superstar you worked with, Trap Boy Freddie. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I first heard uh, Lil Quita. Mm-hmm. I think I sent it to Jimmy. Um, well, I I saw the clip on Instagram mm-hmm. and of the video, and I was like. Trap Boy Frey got a new song. And Trap, if you if you've never met Trap, the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. Dude is so cool. We met him one time. We were leaving the Drake concert um, when he came in Dallas 2018. It's like midnight. Trap is walking down the street by himself. All mm. the chains on, everything's walking. And uh, one of my guys, Ben, was like, oh, that's Trap Boy Freddy. And I looked, I said, oh, that is. I said, what's up? He was like, what's good, bro? I said, was like, Shoot, can we get pictures? He was mm-hmm. like, yeah. He was just, he's just a cool just a cool dude. Mm-hmm. So how did that connection happen? In like- well, it's crazy because, honestly, I wanted to work with uh, Yellow Beezy and Trap Boy, mm. Mo3. Um, I wanted to work with all those artists. But I never, like, I reached out to him, and we always said that we, like, yo, yeah, we can get in the studio, but we never did. It was mm-hmm. one of them type of things. And um, I was in I was in the studio in L.A., and Hood Baby called me, Hood Boss. Okay. Um, and Hood Boss is, he's, you know, that's, that's one of Chris Brown's best friends, but he's also from Dallas as well. He's from Oak Cliff. Mm. So Hood Baby, Hood Boss had called me, and he was like, yo, um, we need some beats. We down in Miami recording, me and Trap Boy. So I was like, okay, cool. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I was like, bet. It's my opportunity to get some records with Trap. So I just sent him over some some beats, and that was one of the ones he recorded. And Hood sent it to me, and he was like, yo, this about to be, you know, Trap single. It's going to go. Yeah. And I listened to the song, 
And me being from Baltimore, being from of the East Coast, yeah. you, you like I didn't at, when I first heard it, I didn't really appreciate it. I knew what it was going to do in yeah. Texas, uh-huh. but I didn't know what it was going to do on around the country. Like yeah. I knew in Texas it was going to go because right. the type of track that it was, it was mm-hmm. a Texas type of sound. One hundred percent. I did it with this producer named Crew Chef, um, mm-hmm. and I just knew it was a Texas sound. So th- originally the track was brought to me by DJ Duffy. Um, okay. And she was like, I got this producer. He made this beat. I want you to listen to it and tell me what you think. And I listened to it. And I was like, Duffy, I was like, this track is dope, but it need a lot of work. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. make it do what it need to do, it need a lot of work. So yeah. I was like, tell the producer, send me the session. Sent the session over, um, did the beat, came to the studio. And me and um, Duffy, we, we recorded it. And Duffy, you know, she did her thing on it. And yeah. I thought then when Duffy did it, I was like, yo, this is a smash. We're going we gonna to do something with this. Yeah. Me and Duffy did a whole bunch of records. But she ended up not using it. And I remember I called her and I said, um, I was like, Duffy, I was like, yo, if you're not going to use these records, you mind if I sell them? You know what I'm saying? And she was like, yeah, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you from, you know, getting your bag. You know, I got plenty of time to come back to this when I want to. If I want to rap again, I'll come back. Because she was just doing too much. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I took the beat over to Tay Money. I had Tay Money come to the studio. Hey, shout out Tay Money. Yeah, shout out Tay Money. <laughs> and she came in the studio, and she did a song on that same beat. And she was like, yo, this beat hard. It's slide. I'm like, yo, so me and Tay, I was like, we got one. We're going to do something. This going to do yeah. something. She never hit me again about the track, which a lot of artists really? do. She never hit me again about the track. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to just, you know, I'm going to shop it around. So yeah. I ended up getting the track. And when it got to trap, that's when he put he put the song out. Now before the video came out, he just put the song out, and I started to see how the girls and the kids was reacting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, this is cra-. I was like, this song about to be crazy because yeah. I'm like, the kids is already loving it, and the there's no want, video out yeah, right the now. The kids want to run social media mm-hmm. too and everything. So, so I was like, this yeah. going this going to do something. So when he dropped it, so I remember he called me and he was like, "Yo, I'm down the hood, pull up on me, come be in a video." So I was like, "All right, bet." So I came in, did the video. Um, and when they dropped the video, it was so clean, yo. Yeah. He was looking like, yo, Trap was looking like he was the next biggest thing out yeah. in the country. You know what yeah, I'm saying? for sure. So the song ended up going viral, which I did not expect to happen. Um, mm. The song ended up going viral, and it started getting picked up on the radio out here on its own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because it started moving on its own. So the song went viral, and then... um that's when people came in, the label came in and put a budget together for radio. And that's when you just started hearing it all over the country. And then I knew it was a dope record when people from back home in Baltimore was calling me like, yo, they playing your stuff on the radio up here. Yo, this is crazy. What? So when it started touching different markets, I was like, yeah, this is a dope record. Man, how did that feel to hear your song getting played in your home city, especially Man, where it is? I mean, there. that's not the first time. Um, The first record that I had, they got, I mean, of course, I had local records that I did with artists out there before that was played back home. But the first real record that got played back home, which the one I did with Trey Songs and Kevin Hart, that was the first one. It's called What's Push It On Me. Push, that was a, oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, that was the first record that they played back home. And I actually was, I remember I was walking down the street and somebody was playing it in their car. And I was like, yo, I was like, that's dope. You know, and that was yeah. the first time that I heard it. But then the Trap Boy record one was, was better, was more organic because... Yeah. The Push It On Me was a Baltimore club sound because I purposely took the Baltimore sound and made a beat out of it. So, of course, Baltimore is going to pick it up and play it because right. it sounds like their music already. Uh-huh. But when they took this song that I did with a Dallas artist yeah. and they started playing it up there, then I was like, okay, yeah, this is crazy. It's different. And then COVID came and just killed everything, bro. It just it, it killed Whoa. everything. Whoa. So, dang, I didn't even think about that. So, that, that's a good point you bring up. So, you saying... COVID, it, it killed like your whole run? It killed that whole momentum of the song. Hmm. Yeah. I feel it. I feel like it's still it's still fire though, but it just sucks because no club appearances. Yeah, no club appearances, no shows, nothing. You can't push the record. You can't promote the record. So you just, I mean, if you like you, if you not, if you're not a big artist, it's just, yeah. I mean, all you got is Spotify, Apple Music right now. You know what I'm saying? And YouTube. It's not yeah. like you can go perform anywhere, so. And even Spotify, you saw that they're just only paying their, their stream, like, what, 39 cents per yeah, stream? It's like not, it's not 39 cents per stream. It's more like, I want to say, 0. .0069 per stream, if I can remember correctly. So, basically, you really got to have, like, crazy amount of streams no, to not, make. It's hard to make money off of streaming. It's, yeah. It's and, not really. I mean, you're, it's, it's crazy because the other day, 
I seen a person who did a their record did 38. I was with this artist that I work with named Tippy, and she showed me this one guy and his song did 38 million streams on Spotify. Mm-hmm. That's only fifty two thousand dollars. That's around fifty two fifty four thousand dollars. Fifty two thousand. Mm-hmm. How do you even and and see the, that's that's where the streaming the streaming era like. I, I feel like it's just so hard to make money because even uh tell me tell me if I'm wrong like fifteen hundred streams equals one sale right um it, I I got a, I have it in my phone I'm not sure I don't know off the back but something like that though so when you really don't have like with all the clubs closing you really not really yeah it. I mean well artists the yeah. artists I mean yeah it's if you're a new artist then you're not really yeah of course but if you're like one of the bigger artists and you're releasing music you're still making money off of that but it like i said it all depends on what your deal is and what you sign to as well because i mean mm-hmm. you could be with a label and that label could you could only be getting 15 percent off of all your sales you feel what i'm yeah. saying so if you're making a million dollars you know you're only getting 15% off of your sales. I mean, that's only 150,000. So it just really depends on, you know, what you do, like, you know, deal-wise and what your numbers look like. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to give anything away from, like, the class that you offer, but you gave a lot of um, good tips on how to run through the industry and everything. And one thing that I did take from that is that you are independent. Mm -hmm. So how hard is it being independent? Super hard. Yeah, super super duper hard. So what are what if what do you feel like some of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now being an independent? I mean, you know, well, you know, there's a lot of challenges being an independent um producer, songwriter, artist. There's a lot of challenges. For one, you're funding yourself. That's the biggest thing. So mm-hmm. being independent, you have to fund yourself. So either that means you're working, you have a job, or you're not working and you're trying to hustle to make money. Mm-hmm. Um the second thing is when you're independent and you're good. The people who are also good, who are also doing it, yeah. they're either intimidated by you okay. or if they don't see a way to make money off of you, they don't want to deal with you. So they're going to mm. go and deal with the person who they can cheat and rip off and, you know, take the most percentage out of. Yeah. So it's like almost a constant battle with a machine mm-hmm. to try to get anything done. So yeah. that's the the hardest. So it's like Post Malone could be in the studio working and it could be a producer and this producer might not better he might not be better than me but say his yeah. team may be like well you know we're going to use this producer because if if it's 50% of the pie we can take 25 from him and give him 25 you feel what i'm saying yeah. or if it's 50% of the pie we can take 40 and just give him 20% of it you know what i mean versus yeah. then you come to somebody like me who's established who knows the business mm-hmm. and then you try to be like well we're going to take 25% and i might be like no nah, i'm not doing that you know what i'm saying uh-huh. i'm not giving you any percentage of what i got going on you feel what i'm saying yeah. and it's like they look at that as oh well, i'm not trying to do that you know it's a it's a famous artist out right now where I try to send beats to them and yeah. the person who controls that whole situation was like, I'm not sending any of his beats to this person if I can't sign him. So really I mean, that's that's what you face as being independent. It's this, tough. This game is so dirty, man. It's like, cutthroat. Yeah, and you see all these artists go through this like every year. Another big artist like I can't drop music, the label hold me back, da da da. So it's like you you wanna tell people not to sign, but then on the other hand, it's like if somebody just brings them a five hundred thousand dollar advance, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, it's kind of life changing. Yeah, some it's life changing for people, and they take it. And I and I don't, you know, what I'm saying it's like I don't blame them. You know, you in a yeah. situation, and then all of a sudden five hundred thousand dollars drops in your lap. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you get that money, you have to understand that it's a loan. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that, so they get to spend it. So then when they don't have that money and they're not making any money, then they're stuck. Now they're complaining about my labels not letting me do you know what i want to do yeah and you got to look at it like but you signed that contract with that lawyer you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's how they get caught up so how did you become knowledgeable in this is this something that you just wanted to learn or did something you just learn oh no bro people? no and i just recently learned this information like it's mm. not even like i've been so blinded because it was one of them things where i just felt like i don't need to learn it because i have people around me who know it that can help me but yeah. in all actuality the people around me didn't even know it like the people i was signed to the people who was put in position to make sure that i was straight yeah. they didn't even know it so when i got out of my deal with never satisfied in 2017 i was on my own i was independent so i had to learn it by myself i had to get yeah. my information straight i had to get my business straight because that was the only way that i was going to make money and i had to take care of my people 
schools. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was one of them things where I was forced to learn all this information. So from 2017 up until now, I just was learning along the way. And like I said, it's 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 crazy. I could write a book on it. Yeah. And so with the people around you not knowing, how did you, how are you able to find the people who actually know what they're doing to put uh so i had i had some i had when i got out of my deal i fell into the laps of some good mentors um s1 symbolic one is one of them he's a Mm -hmm. producer out here in dallas did power for kanye west he did wow i think ice melts for drake and young thug like he he does a lot of records s1 is one of the goats in the the music industry so i had him um i had a guy by the name of troy taylor who started trey songs since trey was like 15 years old Mm -hmm. um troy taylor taught me a lot and then the third one is street runner and Mm. he's another legend a dude who's done multiple records for wayne fat joe um meek mill uh eminem like Mm. all three of them dudes they've been in the game they ogs but they're all legends like all three of them so i don't know how i was able to have all three of them just have my back like how they had it and Throughout the years, they've just been mentoring me and just explaining everything to me, bro. And I've just been taking it in and listening instead of being arrogant and thinking I know everything. So mm-hmm. that's how it's been working for me. Yeah, and I can just imagine, like, the when you get around these people, like, all, a whole bunch of fake, fake people, man. Like, it's I know it's so hard to find people that you actually trust. Mm-hmm. So right now in this time, do you feel like you have a lot of friends or? Uh, I have... um. I, I want to say I have about 10 friends, 10 real friends, which is a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, And I'm blessed yeah. to have that many friends. And none of these friends have ever crossed me. And they'll never cross me. Like, mm-hmm. these dudes will never cross me, like these yeah. 10. And um, I want to say five of them, five or six of them are from back home in Baltimore. We all grew up with each other since we was kids, like six yeah. of us. And we never split. Um, The other ones... Uh, that I met along the way, such as Don Benjamin. That's my brother, if you know him. He's a mm-hmm. model. He was a model on America's Next Top, top Model. Um, that's one of my close friends. Um, me and Kevin Durant got really cool, really close. He's another one that just, he been in my corner. You know, I talk, I learn a lot from him. Did y'all get um, close growing up? or do you No, 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 no. I met him okay. along the journey. Met him oh, okay. along the journey, yeah. So, you know, um, people like that you know i got my my guys out here in dallas um yeah. this dude named christopher and this dude named nick esco you know them so i got i got some friends bro along the way you know that just just been positive in my life and then you know there are friends that i've also met along the way that are no longer my friends that yeah. i've met like along the way journey type of thing mm-hmm. but they were just toxic you know and i right. just can't have that really around me yeah and speaking of like toxic people do you find that the higher you get the more people like try to come back hell yes hell (laughs) yes bro hell yes how do you how do you decipher i I guess you can really tell like this is how i decipher i'm from baltimore okay i'm gonna keep it real with you yeah i'm not going i'm not if you yo what happened to us this is what happened to us you know what i'm saying i'm gonna tell you this is why i don't bang with you you know what i'm saying like you can't get your life together or or you can't you're not stable enough or you just always depressing or you're always asking for money you know what i'm saying yeah. or you know what i'm saying like i just keep it real with somebody i'd rather do that than avoid them you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's one of them things where i'm like i i bang with you from a distance you yeah. know what i'm saying but i'm not gonna keep you around me i have a daughter i have a whole daughter now you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's a lot of dudes you know people that i've met in baltimore i, I can't be around there's people i met in la i can't be around there's people in dallas i can't be around you know what yeah. i'm saying and you know, like you said, they try to get back in, but it's like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you there's no way. I can't. I'm on a different mission, you know? Yeah. Some people like as you gotta understand, as you grow up, like you really do grow up. Like as you grow mm. age wise, you grow mentally as well, you know? Yeah. And if you're not growing mentally, then if the people around you aren't growing mentally, they cannot be around you because they're going to be cancerous to whatever you got going on. Yeah. So if we was if we were smashing hella girls back in the day and that's all we was doing, going yeah. to the club, getting sections and, you know, doing that. Yeah. We got to grow up one day and get money. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. now, now we're, we're trying to take care of our families, you know, get to the money. You still out here trying to chase these girls. Like I ain't yeah. with that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, man, I'm trying to get to a bag. Like you yeah. trying to get in a girl pants. Like she ain't doing nothing for you. You know what nothing. I'm saying? So it's like one of them things where it's like we just got to be on the same page. And I surround myself by millionaires. You know what I'm saying? So that's mm. what I strive to be. Mm, I truly believe you. The, whoever you're surrounded by, that's literally who you are. Yeah. Right? If you're surrounded by people who's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like I said, people standing in the club still trying to 
pop bottles and everything, but not really trying to get to the bag. And you just know, become all a part my of it. friends in that ten are getting money, and if yeah. they aren't getting money, they're working on ways outside of their nine to fives to figure out how to get to some money. You feel right. what I'm saying? Like those are my friends, and that's the people that I want around me. Mm, mm. And I want first of all, I want to say congratulations, man. I saw your post today. You did a song for Annuel. Mm-hmm. Annuel, people don't know, is one of the. He may be the biggest Latino. He's probably artist. the biggest Latino. Artist. Yeah. <laughs> him and him and Bad Bunny are definitely the biggest Latino artists yeah. in the world. It just went six times platinum. Six bro. times Latin platinum. Latin platinum. Mm-hmm. So, dude, I feel like I would just get emotional seeing that man. It's like, so crazy because you know that's my first platinum. Um, well, Latin platinum. It, it's gonna go American platinum, which is a million records sold. Yeah. Um, I think right now it's only sold three hundred sixty thousand, which is still crazy. It's crazy to know. Um, but I think you know it's like you being this industry for so long and you go yeah. through all of this fire and you go through all of this headaches and you go through all this grief and all these depressing moments and these anxiety and everything mm-hmm. and then you do something like this and you're just like oh okay yeah you know what i'm saying uh-huh. it's it's like you think because in back in the day when you're looking like yo they got a platinum plaque they got six times deep ten times he got diamond yeah and you think to yourself like damn like i want that then you get it when you actually been through like hell yeah. And you just like, man, what's the next record, bro? Like, yeah. can we get to the next record so we can get a check? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like you start to lose the love that you have for, bro, all mm-hmm. because of the business of it. And it just it sucks so bad because it's like everybody's so happy and everybody's so proud. But they got to understand, like, that plaque ain't make me no money. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a nice gesture. I could use it to leverage a deal to make some money. But yeah. It's not paying any bills. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. It's accolade. I'm glad. I am. I'm not saying I'm ungrateful because there's a lot of people who want to be in this position. Yeah. But you gotta understand when you've been through what I've been through, bro. It's just like, all right, let's go get this, put it up on the wall, let's go get the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. But it's definitely a huge accomplishment. Um, I think that album that I was on is going to be nominated for at least four Grammys this year. So that's that's the next. Now that's gonna be a little different. I win a Grammy off of this, then yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's gonna it's gonna hit it's gonna hit a little different. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be nominated for two Spanish Grammys, uh-huh. and I think it's gonna be nominated for two American Grammys. So yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. And I feel like if like when you when you get there to the Grammys, like damn, bro, like I'm really here. Yeah, like, hopefully we can have one next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so. This is this will be my first time ever being Grammy nominated. Yeah. So. To not be able to go is, it's going to hurt. I ain't gonna, yeah. I'm not even going to stunt. Like, yeah. it's going to hurt. Like, to have to do that virtually, it's going to hurt. Because it's yeah. like, you work so hard to, this is it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what we work hard yeah. to get them Grammys, you know, to get them mm-hmm. checks. So, like, to not be able to get my, my suit, you know what I'm saying, get tailored to go to it, it's it's, it's going to be it's gonna hurt. So, we'll see. I don't think we're going to be able to, to go to it. But I, I was thinking about getting a suit and dressing up and sitting in my house with the suit on, bro. Nah, for sure. I'm not. Like, I'm not even because <laughs> I didn't get this far. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. if I what it take, I'm still getting tailored for my suit. You know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? Oh, for sure. So, you got to. Mm-hmm. And first, how did that record end up in the hands of Annuel anyways? Um, like, So... I collab with these producers. Um, one of them is from Atlanta. The other one is mm-hmm. from New York. Um, Priority, Priority Beats and uh, Glory Gains. Mm-hmm. And um, I collab with them on it. And I sent it over to uh, Spiff, Spiff TV. Mm. And before I even sent it to Spiff, he first of all, shout out to Spiff. I, I love that guy. You know, yeah. he's, he's, he's helped me out a lot. And he just called me and he just be throwing me plays. And he's like, yo, do this. I'm going to give it to this person. I'm going to give it to this person. Like, that's Word. the type of person that you need in this yeah. business. So I sent over a whole bunch of beats to Spiff. And he hit me and was like, yo, and well, just cut the two of your joints, three of your joints, I think. He Ooh. said three of them. And I was like, word. He said, yeah. He's like, but this one is the one. Yeah. And he played it for me. And I was like, and then next thing you know, I want to say maybe a day later, Anwell was riding in his car and he posted it on his Instagram. This is back in September. I was what? like, he posted on his gram? I was <laughs> like, oh, it's definitely going on an album. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I and it, that was dope. And then I remember before, I want to say two two weeks before the album came out, I was playing Call of Duty. Spiff called me on some random shit and was like, yo, 
you got Ningo Flo's new single and N. Wells on it. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. He was like, this is just some one-off, though. What's going on in this album? This is not the N. Wells album, but this is Ningo's album. So I'm sitting here like, let me look up these people. Yeah. Man, this dude, Ningo Flo, is huge, too. Huge. So him and N. Wells was both on it. So I'm like, and it's a single. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm about to win. Yeah. Because not, <laughs> not only do I have this, but I also got the um and well album coming out mm-hmm. so i'm like man we about to win so now i'm connected with spiff but it's still hard to get into the spanish lane because they don't really i feel like they don't want us in it you know what i'm saying yeah. us as african americans like mm-hmm. i don't like they're not like i reached out to them they, they don't respond you feel what i'm saying yeah. and it's like i think i'm about equally as dope as you are you feel right, what i'm saying exactly. and, and you know you guys y'all not responding to like messages i'm just you know i'm reaching out you know trying to connect you know trying yeah. to work and I just feel like, you know, it's a lot of ego in this business and I don't yeah. have one. So it's like, and me being from Baltimore back in the day, bro, it was bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about my attitude. So when that happened, like if I was back in the day and I reached out to you and you didn't respond, I'm like, oh, I'm a shit on him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I got something for him. Oh, oh I yeah, can't wait. Sure. But now I just look at it and I just know it is what it is. And I feel like what's for me will be for me and what's right. not is not going to be for me. So Right. And I could just imagine how hard it is for people like, like hardest for for people like you who are independent for others to like really see you as like dominant because like these these record labels are pushing these producers and mm-hmm. artists and everything and for yeah. somebody like you here. it's 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 just you and yeah. it's like I know it it's just so difficult man mm-hmm. like it's my network my network is bit see the thing is you can get signed to a publishing company and a record label you still yeah. got to do the work you know what I'm saying like. There's a lot of people in this industry who are introverts. You know what I'm mm. saying? Introverts don't want to come out the house. They just want to sit in their house and make beats on their computers. You got to yeah. get out here and talk to people. You got to right. be in people's faces. And that's what I do. Because yeah. um, that's how I've always been. Right. Now I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't like people and I don't want to be around people. <laughs> but I was never like that before. You know? Yeah. So I built up my network to where though. I'm like, okay. So when people come in, they like, yo, come to the club, such and such is coming. I come step out. You know what I yeah. mean? But before... You didn't have to tell me. I was already there. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Like, I was already in the club. But now, it's like my network is so big, and I'm constantly building it that yeah. I can compete with these these labels and stuff. But it's just, mm-hmm. it's harder, and it take a lot out of me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I feel like with a publishing company, I probably would be averaging 10 placements out the year. By right now, I'm only getting three, maybe four. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, so. And um, <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a good point you bring up. What made you turn to, like, Man, I don't even I don't even like being around people because that's like a huge <sighs> switch. Yo, over the like I said, just going through what I go through, bro. Yeah. Like you deal with so many ups and downs, so many heartbreaks, so many people feeding you dreams. Like you yeah. deal with you go through so much in this industry to where you just be like, yo, I don't even have I don't have the patience for this no more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I already didn't have the patience. I actually have more patience than I did. But uh-huh. I don't have the patience to deal with people. So I'd yeah. rather not. If I don't have to, then I, then I won't, you know? Uh-huh. My ideal day is to wake up, make some beats, uh-huh. go play basketball with my homeboys, come back home with my family, kick it, mm-hmm. turn on the Call of Duty, make some beats, go to sleep, wake up and do it again. Like, it used to be, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to uh, make some beats, go to the club, stay uh-huh. all night, you know, party, do this, that, and the third, not get no money, come back and just, you know, just do it all again. And that's not what I'm on now. Like, yeah. so many people have died around me. I'm talking about mm-hmm. people that's close to me. So yeah. many people have died around me that you get to a point mentally where you like, yo, we are wasting our days. Like, I yeah. need to be spending more time with my family. I need to be spending mm-hmm. more time with my loved ones. I need to be setting myself up for the future. I need to be setting my um my family up for the future. Yeah. And it's so funny because like everything that I say, like people be like, yo, he has an old soul. Like he a young nigga, mm-hmm. but he got an old yeah. soul. And it's crazy because you say that, but when you look at these other cultures and these and, and the foreign people, they already live like that. And yeah. my one of my homeboys, his name is Muhammad. He told me, he said, yo, my father always told me Work hard in your 20s and play in your 30s. Yeah. And he said that's why these Americans have it so messed up because they play in their 20s mm-hmm. and then they have to continue working for the rest of their life. Yep. And when he said that, it really put it in a perspective like, yo, we really do that. Like, yeah. we be at the club every night in our 20s because we in college and, you know, mm-hmm. we just playing around. 
instead of setting ourselves up so we don't have to work no more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I just got a different mentality right now, and I just try to you know push that on others as well. Mm-hmm. That's so true because a lot of times when I'm growing up, like my mom, like you're in your this is your prime. You should be out mm-hmm. traveling and da da da. Mm-hmm. But you see, like I'm at home. You know, I'm trying to trying start to something to like mm-hmm. this this show that I'm doing. Like I'm still dropping DJ mixes and everything. I'm mm-hmm. not out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm just working. Mm-hmm. So it can pay me later yeah. on, you mm-hmm. know, like, right. and what, what caused you to, like, like you said, have this old soul, like, was, was it Just, the mentors, or? It, I mean, the, yeah, the mentors, but really, it, it was, it was death, bro, like, yeah. um, 2016 is when my mom died, mm-hmm. and everything changed, mentally, everything changed, yeah. and it was one of them things where, a lot of people thought it was going to break me because my mother is my is my backbone. You know, mm. she was the, I, that was my best friend. I was yeah. closer to her than anybody in the world. So when she passed, everybody thought it was going was going to break me. But my yeah. motto has always been bend but don't break. That's mm. always I've always been like that. Like yeah. I've never been the type. Even when I was going through what I was going through by not having money, always been. I used to tell my mother all the time, "Ma, bend but don't break." And yeah. it was one of them things. So when she passed. It hurt, and it still hurt, even to yeah. this day. But I bent, but I never broke. And mm-hmm. one one thing that it did was it just taught me we're wasting time on this earth. I need to get closer to my, my family, and I need to yeah. get closer to God. And mm-hmm. that's what I ended up doing. And that's what ultimately made me have the decision to leave Never Satisfied because mm-hmm. I felt like it was stagnant for my career. Like, they couldn't do nothing else for me. Like, yeah. I was too big to be with Never Satisfied. And, of course, once I got out, I showed the world. I showed everybody. And everybody in Dallas, they was like... And they would say it. People around Dallas would always be like, yo, he's too big to be with them. Mm. And it was true. So, once I yeah. got out and Never Satisfied, everything just... It was like an explosion. Like, it was like, yeah. I'm here now. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, death really put that into my head to like, yo, like, this is what you need to reevaluate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I look I look at these producers and I, I did want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. How come these producers like can't stay like up top? So let's say like this producer right here will be hot, like they will have a hot summer, and then mm-hmm. those will be hot, and then like the next year you're nothing from them, and then like somebody else will pop up, not everybody's on them. And it's then- a lot of variables to that, bro. For, I mean, for one, people like new. You yeah. know, people like to come in with the new. Two, bro, when you have a run as a producer, you I mean people's mentality usually at at, it be young producers who have them runs so it's like Mm -hmm. you giving this young producer a million dollars because he's making a run so now you're giving him 1.5 million dollars and he's still making his run he done cut out his contract now you got to give him another three million dollars you know what i'm saying and now you know he's just making his money making his money to the point to where next year let's say he did make three four million dollars now he good you feel what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. what is he doing you think he's making money? I mean, making music? More than likely, he's probably investing himself into other things outside of music, or he's just yep. being lazy and not doing anything at all. <laughs> yeah. And that can be the reason why, because I know for sure, I am. I can tell you this. If I make millions, when I make millions in this music industry, I'm mm-hmm. getting the hell out. So, I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, like, I don't plan on doing this for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I plan mm-hmm. on getting enough money and putting it elsewhere to be able to do other things because this shit can kill you, bro. Like, the stress from this music industry is crazy, bro. So, so you... Why did you say, I didn't know that. So, this is not, like, the end-all, be-all right here. No. Music is not the end-all, be-all for what I want to do. Mm-mm. Man, what do you want to do? I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> when we get to that... When we get to that point, but I'm I'm definitely... I have different ideas. Um, And like I said, I have people around me yeah. who do a lot of stuff and make a lot of money doing a lot of different things legally and Mm -hmm. you know me just watching them like for instance watching like i said kevin durant he inspires me because not only is he of course he's a great basketball player one of my favorite basketball players Mm -hmm. but off the court bro he does so much he invests into a lot of stuff you know to bring money in you know he even talks about opening schools you know like it's Mm -hmm. just different things that kevin does like he invested in apps you know he did i think he did he made some money off of doordash you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. he just he inspires me you know then i have a guy his name is jen an asian dude from uh from over in korea Mm. He uh lives in LA, met him, self-made, took $30,000 and started up his own clothing line to develop wow. in his own warehouse, you know what I'm saying? Like making money, like people like that, they motivate me. A dude by the name of Kaz. Yeah. Kaz is uh 
the wolf of the wolf of real estate, you know, and mm. he sells houses, you know, and he's making millions and millions off of selling houses. So these are the type of people that surround me. So that's the type of stuff that I look forward to getting into versus just messing with music and having to deal with, you know, these niggas in the music yeah. industry that just want to screw you over. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. music, I always tell people music is a gate, it's a gateway. It's a door mm. to get you into other doors. And that's what right. it is. Because once you get to that point, everybody wants to be cool. They all want to be down with the producer. Yeah. They all want to be down with the artist. They all right. want to be backstage. You know what I'm saying? So you start to build these relationships and that's yeah. how you get in the door to, to make money on mm. other things. And that's why I love to see like, 50 cent and these different artists like who have branched out into different things ice cube mm -hmm. you know the, the list can go on mm -hmm. forever so i before before i know like you um leave the music industry are there particular people that you want to work with before or? i mean i i've already kind of did that except for this yeah. one this, this one yeah drake i definitely want to work with drake you know um eminem was one but i already did that uh i oh, can't yeah yeah i did a record with him um mm. called rainy days with boogie and eminem mm. i did that in 2000 2018 i think or 2019 one of them two one of them years it might have been 2019 yeah um did that by the help of s1 um and that was a bucket list working with eminem that's my favorite mm. artist ever you know what I'm he's, saying? Growing up, that was my favorite. So he's my top five. For I, sure. When I when I when I heard that I had the record with him, I dropped to my knees. I started crying. I just started praying because yeah. around this time, this is when my mom passed already. She'd been gone, but she knew how much I loved Eminem, you know, mm -hmm. and his music. So to be able to work with him was crazy. But I mean, definitely Drake. Um, you know, working with him is definitely on the bucket list. Other than that, bro. I've I've just I like making great music. It doesn't yeah. matter who it is. I just like to make great music. So I'm not really too pressed. It don't matter the artist really. Like you know how mm -hmm. people be like, yo, I want to work with Post Malone or I want to work with Chris Brown. Like yeah. it's cool to work with them, but I'm not like super pressed to work with anybody. I just want to make great music. Mm, mm. Drake Drake is like I would have to say my favorite artist. Yeah. Like Drake is my favorite artist. Um, just so versatile, mm -hmm. man. His, his run is like ridiculous yeah and how hard is it to um like let's say like let's use drake for example right that ovo camp they're like vacuum sealed type yeah. it's like it's what are some of the challenges like getting into getting music to like an artist like of that stature it's got to be organic bro it's yeah. got to be organic it's like you just it's so hard to robin like I done, I done ran into a lot of the OVO niggas. You know what I'm saying? For real. Bob ran into Boy Wonder in Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Wow. In a hole in the wall club. You feel what I'm saying? Like me and Boy Wonder had mutual friends, and still I don't have a Drake record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, me and TV Gucci are really close. Uh, TV Gucci. TV Gucci. That's Drake's one of Drake's right hand mm -hmm. man. He's always with him. You know, always with Chubbs. Um, and I still don't have a Drake record, but yeah. it's one of them things where. Like I said, if it's for me, it's for me. If it's not, it's not. If I'm supposed to work with Drake in my lifetime, then cool. If I'm not, yeah. then cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not one of the things where I'm pressing or forcing the issue. Yeah. Um, Those guys are my friends. You feel what I'm saying? Like, me and TV Gucci, that's my guy. So, yeah. regardless if he were to introduce me to Drake, if he didn't want to introduce me to Drake, it don't matter. At the end of yeah. the day, that's still my guy. I'm still going to come up to Toronto. We still going to go to this birthday party. We still going to kick it. You know, we still going to party. And it just, it is what it is. So, um that yeah but like you said that ovo can't all them camps is is vacuum sealed tight yeah all of them drake man i just feel like it's it's just so easy for him to make hits no matter what beat is sent over to mm -hmm. him it's just the dude dude's yeah. talented and coming up in this industry who are some people that you like looked up to producer wise writer wise i looked at, honestly it's a lot of producers bro because you know music changes so i mean i look up to people like uh mike will swiss beats um timbaland uh pharrell and the neptunes um metro Boomin, 808 mafia like a yeah. lot of them i look up to a lot of the producers bro um artist wise it was it was m it was drake uh Lil Wayne, um and i mean that was it really artist wise i mean there's a lot of artists that i listen to oh yeah cool and dre gotta throw them in there because they was big influences um yeah, but it's a lot of people bro, that I looked up to. It's crazy because a lot of people that I looked up to, they ended up being like assholes and, you know, really and, and cornballs and stuff like that. But, you know, I, it's one, like I said, when you get in this industry and you start meeting people, then you start seeing people's true colors. You know, money, yeah. money don't do anything but make a nigga corny if he was already corny. So, yeah. 
you know, a lot of them guys I did look up to, they just, they corny, you know what I'm saying? So, so a lot of people fake, honestly. Fake, very, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah bro. You don't have to say no names, but, like, have you met an artist that you had this, this had this persona about, mm-hmm. and you meet a person, you're just like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a cornball. <laughs> yeah, does, all the time. Does it change the way you look at their music, Yeah, too? I mean, not the way that I look at their music, but it just changes the way that I deal with them or look at them. Like, it's like... Like, I'm good on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even care. Like, like it just, I don't know. But like I said, I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the point right now in my career that I don't really look at anybody and put them on a high pedestal. Like, I'm not about to be freaking out when I meet people. I'm not tripping off of meeting people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, nigga, one of my friends is the best basketball player in the world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Literally. Like, I don't, like, that shit, it don't. It don't really phase me anymore. Like how I used to, like if I was to run into Kanye or if I was to run into M, I'd yeah. be like, yo, it's M. But that's, now it's like, yeah. it's like whatever now. Like I'm just happy to be here, you know? Yeah. And um, you talked about it uh, one time in your class, how like you stay cool whenever you're in the studio and like some big artist or producer walk mm-hmm. in, you not you don't do too much. Yeah, I don't you do know? too much. I don't trip. Because that, cause that makes you look corny. Yeah. Basically. Because mm-hmm. I know all the time, like, Let's say like a big producer, like I think you use Southside as example. Mm-hmm. Um, he did come in, right? Southside. Southside. No, I, oh, I met Southside at a Young Thug concert in Dallas, Thug but Thug. I ain't. I never okay, met okay. him in the studio. Um, so I just know like it'd be a producer in there, and then it's just like, oh, somebody walk in like of this big statue, and you're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, like I want to show him like what I do and mm-hmm. yada yada. Yeah, so, you want to do that? Oh, you talking about no, no, that wasn't Southside. It was Future. Future. Okay. Future. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Did you have to learn the hard way not to be that um, guy? No, nah, I didn't even learn the hard way. It didn't okay. take me to learn the hard way. Thank God, I didn't yeah. never. I never embarrassed myself. Um, it was one of the things where, like I said, I done been in the industry for so long. I kind of know the tricks and the trades of it mm. all. So, I knew that I will see people again because I'm in the industry. So I yep. know this isn't my last time seeing you. So mm-hmm. when Future came in there. It would to me. It wasn't the right time because I never seen him before. So I never mm-hmm. met him before. So I'm not about to run up to him like, "Yo, future, I got these beats." While I'm in his studio, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> it just didn't make sense. And I knew I was like, "Yo, I have a red streak in my head. I'm gonna see him again." You know what I mean? And like, he and he's too. gonna know who I am. Like, that's the purpose of having this red streak and doing this back in 2013. Because it's one of them things where a person is not gonna forget that. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they're like, yo, this the kid with the red streak in his head. Like, so when I see Future again, he's gonna be like, oh, he was in my studio. And then it's like, yo, I was in your studio. Remember, he's like, yeah, yeah, he was in my studio. Yo, I, I, I make beats. Yeah, okay, that's a bet. And that's how you build your relationship with people, but you don't have to do it off first go around. Like that's like yeah. I said, you the seed that you plant today, you don't eat that seed today. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It has to grow. Right. How was it when he walked in? Like, did you see him walk in? Or yeah, did- I was in the studio. I was working on some beats in, like, the little lounge area, and he was walking in and out, and he just kept looking at me probably because, I mean, he never seen me before. It's somebody yeah. in your studio you've never seen before. You want to know, like, who is this dude? You know what I'm saying? Like, I could be anybody. You know what I mean? These rappers have to be... They have to be um subconscious about what's going on around them. So, I mean, he was walking around, walking in and out probably about 10 times. Really? I didn't say nothing to him. Like, what's up? What's good? And just kept it moving. You know what I'm saying? Just kept continuing to work on my track because I wasn't there for that. I wasn't there for him. I had another session with Ski Mad Slum God, so I wasn't there for Future. Who's one of the coolest celebrities that you think you've met? Coolest? Um, artists. Artists. Like, the, the, just the vibe is just like, like, you just have like a, you feel like it's a, it's a, a real connection there. Do you feel like you've met that person yet? I don't think so. Not hmm. artists. Mm-mm. Yeah. Person wise, celebrity yeah. wise, is definitely Kevin Durant. Mm. Yeah, definitely Kevin. Um, he's humble. He's just a humble dude, bro. And like, I yeah. mean, the dude asked me if I wanted to go to Italy for a week with him. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. Like it's like you can't like he's the, he's definitely the coolest dude. Um, the most realist is Trader Truth. Trader Truth, hands down. Trade the truth and for Houston, mm-hmm. man, I just see what he does for the community. It's yeah, like that's the realest nigga I ever met. How so? He just is. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> he he don't he don't play about nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if he say he gonna do something, he gonna do it. You know, if he tell you he gonna do something, he's gonna do it. Like if you loyal to him, he gonna be loyal to you. You know what I mean? Like I came to Atlanta, I was in the studio working, and he was like, "Yo, Young Thug called me, said come to the studio. You wanna come with me?" Yeah, and he brought yeah. me in the studio with Thug, you know what I'm saying? And wow. he was like, yo, Thug, this is such and such, you know what I'm saying? He got some tracks, you know, and 
he didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he just that's just how trade truth is, bro. Like you don't sugarcoat it. Like niggas respect him. People fear him. Like just mm-hmm. the realest dude I ever met in the music industry. Man, it's some somebody I for sure want to meet and just like pick his brain because like and when I say like he's really for like the city and helping people, no matter what Houston's going through, Trey is right there like every single time. Mm-hmm. Every time helping out with the floods protesting like he's out there just really for the community Mm -hmm. um but this is the time where this is actually one of my favorite part of the interviews Mm -hmm. this is called the nice picks and before we get here i really want to first of all thank you because like i said you didn't have to do this you really show love i'm not gonna lie like you really show love so basically this is the part of my show where i ask you three questions after each question, I'm going to ask you why. But you only have five seconds to answer. Okay. Okay. And they're going to be off the wall. So okay. the first one, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or forced to sing any song you heard? Forced to dance any time I heard music. <laughs> you answered that quick? How? Yeah. I mean, why? Because that's what I was back in the day. I was a dancer. What type of dancer? I just bought them. I, did, I danced to Baltimore club music. We was in the club every night. Like, Baltimore Club was big back in the day. And that's what all yeah. we did. We go to the club, we dance. So, I mean, I had videos on YouTube getting 100,000 views. Like, that's just what I did. Man, it, it's, you know what? And it's it's crazy. I talked to my guy, DJ T-Walk, about this. If you go to the club now, nobody dancing. Mm-hmm. Everybody just cool. I used to be. I mean, well, now, I'm, you know, I'm a little older. I don't really yeah. do all of that no more. <laughs> but, like, we used to be in a club, but we used to turn up. What? I'm talking sweating about sweating. Everything. I'm talking about sweating. Have the the rag in yeah. your pocket. <laughs> like we knew what we was going in there to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, what? What? How do y'all dance in Baltimore? It's different. I, you got to Google it. It's crazy. What is there a name for it? It's Baltimore club dancing. Baltimore club dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna look it up after the interview because all I know is jigging. Yeah, and, and we two step and all of that. Like it's different. We SpongeBob, all of that, bro. It's, oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to look this. Up. <laughs> I ain't never heard of that. All mm-hmm. right, bet. I'm gonna check it out. Question number two. Would you rather have all dogs try to attack you when they see you or all birds try to attack you when they see you? Um, All dogs try to attack me when they see dogs? me. Dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because dogs, no, I can jump up on something and get away from a dog. When birds coming from the sky, I can't, I can't really protect myself like how I want to. With dogs, I can try to at least get away. Yeah, and also with birds, I feel like you see them more common than mm. you do yeah. with a dog. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. man. Last question. Would you rather be unable to use a search engine or unable to be used, unable to use social media? Unable to use social media. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy because I know you have a heavy pre- presence on social media. So. Yeah, but it's, it's cancerous, bro. It's, just, it's, it's, it's too much. Social mm. media is the devil, bro. Like, it really it's is. Like, it's like, yeah, you, you, I make a lot of money off of it, mm-hmm. but that's just that. If I didn't have it tomorrow, if they, they said no more social media, I'd be like, yo, life is about to be so much better. <laughs> like, for real. Like, that's why I don't, I can, I can get, I can do away with that and be yeah. perfectly fine if we never had that again. Mm. I, I, I feel like social media really gave the stupid a voice. I heard Charlamagne say that. I said, that's so true. Gave the stupid a voice. It gave mm-hmm. everybody a celebrity. Like, it's just, I mean, like I said, it helps my brand a lot, bro. But I won't do it if we didn't have it because I'm in the streets. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I'm really out here. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't necessarily, I didn't need social media. You know, I was coming up without social media. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you take it away, I'm back in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doing what I was doing before social media came. So I know how to survive without it. So if they was to take it away tomorrow, I'd be like, good. Make yeah. less, of these, <laughs> less of these hoes relevant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Less of these dudes relevant. So. I, and, I, and I'm, one thing, like, I'm so glad I don't have to run into these. I feel like these just, these are fake celebrities. These are people like. Who just social media just no, they are. them up? Like, yeah, and they're corny, I, I and they're all tell. and they're all corny. Mm-hmm. They, they, I see stuff like no, if you use TikTok, you know what I'm saying that's cool, whatever, whatever. But I be looking at these people like, bro, like how are you even like? Yeah, they're corny, bro. Yeah, especially for like us, you know what I'm saying, like who really work hard, mm-hmm. you know, and try to build a brand of some. All sort. try to clout chase, and that's why I don't necessarily because I'm like. I could have clout chased a long time ago when they really when they try yeah. to 
they try to find me and and double xl try to do an interview on me and say I, I wrote for meek mill you know what i'm saying like because i had something on my instagram page that drake's fans found on my page and mm. they tried to drag me into that shit and they was like yo you know hit me like yo can you do this interview with us and i'm like I didn't even respond. I'm like, nigga, never will never. I ever, bro, <laughs> jump into this. Like, I have nothing to do with that. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? So, I was never a fan of clout chasing. I don't need to clout chase. I won't clout chase. So, it's just not something that I would do. Yeah. That's why I said social media is like, whatever. Yeah. I For me, social media is it is definitely addicting, man. It Trying, is. That too. Because I stay on it 24-7. So, I mean, I ain't going to sit here and say that it's not something that I, I use it. Like I said, maybe... 40% of my battery time is social media. But like I said, if we got rid of it tomorrow, I would be A-OK with that. I'm 100% with you. Man, thank you. Oh, oh, one more thing. Mm -hmm. Where did Fresh Air come from? A breath of Fresh Air. I meant to ask you that earlier, but we were having such a good conversation. Uh, I, it, I just like the... T I have this tag that says it's like a breath of fresh air. And mm -hmm. I just like it because it just goes along with how I be feeling and how my music sounds, you know, when you yeah. hear it. When you hear it, it's, it's something that you've never mm -hmm. never heard before. Mm -hmm. I fuck with it. I like it. Thank you. I can't say it enough, man. I probably told you thank you. I don't know how many times <laughs> this all week. Good. But this has been episode... What episode, Jimmy? Five mm -hmm. of The Nice Show. And where can the people find you? Uh, at IMJOliver410 is my social media after I just trashed it. Oh, oh yeah. My, on, on everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Twitter... Instagram, yep. wherever people can find you. Mm -hmm. And this is your host, DJ Trey Nice. You can find me on all social media at T DJ T R E Y N I C E E. I don't know how I just had a brain fart right there. But thank you all for listening. Until next time, we out.